um, kind of a loser, you know, kind of just don't do anything, you know, keep to myself, small circle, small circle. Uh, well, spend it with family. Like you mentioned, you didn't have that growing up. So that's what, you know, that's what me personally, I didn't have my dad around. So that's why I will always be there for my kids. So well said. Yeah. So yeah. you played sports and did you go to college for sports? No. Or? So here I played uh, football one year and I wish I would have played um, into my senior year. I played quarterback and I, I was blessed with uh uh, a very good arm. I, I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? I had, I, they, they called me the, the rocket, you know, in, in school, in high school. I was blessed with a very good arm. But to be honest with you, I was fragile. I got hurt a lot. And um, I just didn't like it. You know, I just didn't like the beating and stuff like that. So um, I didn't play football anymore after that. I didn't play my senior year. And, uh, but I did play baseball all through high school and as a pitcher. And um, I enjoyed that. But you know, a little misguided, I guess. You probably, on your life, you could probably go back and find moments where you wish you would have had a little stronger guidance uh, or a role model maybe to somebody to kind of say, no, man, stick with this or you should do that or don't do that. And because of that, um, although, uh, you know, I, I, I was good at baseball, I, I, I didn't take it serious. I really didn't. I was more interested in picking up chicks and getting to that natty light. Natty light. That's what it was. The natty light got me. The natty light got me. Now it was really the chicks, to be honest with you. I mean, it is, yeah. But uh, so, but that's it. You know, I mean, never gotten any like real big trouble or anything. Um, thank God. Wasn't good at school. Um, I knew I was like not stupid, but I knew I couldn't focus. I I I would watch my friends study. It's funny, I would watch my friends study. They would sit down, they would study. They would open the book and they would read it and they would study yeah. and they would memorize it. And then the next day they would know it, right? And I would open a book and man, it looked like hieroglyphics. I mean, it was, you know I mean? I was just like, I, what am I doing? I mean, I had, so I had to fake my way through it. I ended up with a 2.3 grade average. I got through high school and was like, thank God, you know, so. So you knew college was not for you, probably. Nah, like man, you, I, I didn't. I went to college for two years on and off and and honestly probably got 10 credits. I mean, I literally, again, was just more interested at a young age in, uh, you know, in social activities. You know what I mean? I just couldn't find the, I guess, the, the, subs, the substance or whatever. So, what is the word? Uh, yeah, we'll call it substance, whatever. To... <laughs> To take it serious, but but to be truthful here, and and again, I know a lot of guys in the car business have this. I always knew that I could make money. Um, right. I didn't feel like I had to finish school to make money. I knew that I was going to find a way to make money. Um, you know, we grew up kind of like I guess you'd say the broke kids in the suburbs, if you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Um, mm -hmm. So I never wanted to be that. Uh, I wanted. I always knew I was going to try to find a way to hustle and make money. And um, so college wasn't for me. And uh, as a matter of fact, I started flipping cars in high school. Um, really? Yeah. By the time I was graduated, I had owned 16 cars. You know, everybody else had their first car that their parents gave them. They drove it all through school and college. I used to go into a magazine called the Trade and Times, which I'm dating myself. You won't remember that and nobody else will, but it was uh, classified and people yeah. listed their cars. And I literally at 15 and 16, 17, obviously years old, would call the Trade and Times. I'd call the people. I'd negotiate on the car with them over the phone. I would go negotiate more in person. I would buy the car. You know, I think I started out with 
you know, 800 bucks I had saved up from my job at the grocery store. And uh, I would negotiate with them. I'd take that car home. I'd clean it up. And I would list it right back in the same magazine and flip it. What kind of money was you making? No, I, you know, back then I thought I was making, yeah, I was Rockefeller. <laughs> you know what I mean? I flipped a car and I made 500 bucks and I could buy a nicer car now. So, you know what I mean? Like I thought I was, a, I thought I was Donald Trump. You know what I mean? I thought I was doing it, you know? But, um, so flipping cars came to me very, I just came to me very early. I mean, when I was young, I was doing it. So, so you had an entrepreneurship already built into you. Yeah. 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 But because I knew I didn't have an option, I knew I wasn't going to be the guy, you know, who lived in the big development of the suburbs with a corporate job and responsibility because I knew I, I didn't have that kind of focus to do what it yeah. took to get there. So I kind of knew at a young age I was going to be, you know, I was going to be gunslinging it, you know, figuring it out, you know what I mean? And, and, and making money. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, but, but it's funny. I mean, the first car I ever sold, my mom had a car for sale and I'm 12 years old. She had a 1978 Monza, a Chevy Monza, okay. believe Chevy Monza. Yes. Okay. And she puts this car in the magazine to sell, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget, she says, okay, um, I got a guy coming over to look at the car and, you know, whatever. Well, all of a sudden she had to leave. She had to run. Well, back then we didn't have cell phones. You didn't text somebody and cancel your appointment. You didn't Facebook message them, right? Right. So she's like, sell the car. When he gets here, sell the car. And I'm 12. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? So... The guy shows up, my mom leaves, she had to run. The guy shows up, um, I sold the guy the car, 12 years old. I sold my mom's car, you know, gave him the title, took the cash, and uh, that, that was my first car deal. <laughs> Did he negotiate or anything? No, well, I'm a, I, no, because I'm a, I'm a kid, I think he probably <laughs> would have felt some kind of way about it, you know what I mean? He's like, I think it was, I want to say it was 1200 bucks. And I just right. remember this guy peeling off $100 bills and me thinking, Two things, how do I, how do I slice this up and not tell mom? How do I get a hundred out of this? <laughs> but, but no more, more thinking like, oh my God, I, I, I'm rich. I mean, I have $1,200 in my hand and, uh, yeah. handed the guy the title and the keys and off he went, man. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's my first sale. Years old, that's a lot of responsibility. That was my first sale. I didn't, you know, they didn't, I didn't have a tie on, so they couldn't cut it, you know, back in the day. Yeah, you know, you're 12, you know, the tie cutting thing everybody does. Yeah. So that was my first car deal. So you're 50 years old, so you've been in the car business for 38 years. <laughs> Technically, yes. That's awesome. You're right. Yes. Absolutely. Child labor laws didn't apply back then. Absolutely not. No seat. I was 1099. I was 1099. She, yeah, I was. <laughs> so what'd you do after high school? Yeah, man. So I, like I said, bounced around college here and there. Wasn't good at it. Had no interest in it. Um, actually, I was down in Columbus going to school at a little school called Columbus State because uh, I couldn't get into Ohio State. And um, I ran out of money. Um, my grandma was paying for my tuition and stuff down there and me living. And I'm just partying. I mean, I'm, you, me, I'm, you I'm in Columbus. I'm 19 years old. There are women everywhere and keg parties every night. And we lived right on uh, the street by the street where all the sororities and fraternities were. I mean, it was like, you know, there was no way I was taking a half hour out of my life to sit down and read a book when, you know, with, with all that going on. So, um, 
So anyways, I, dry, I ran out of money and I called my grandmother and I said, I, yeah, I'm out of money. And she says, well, I, I'm not, you're not taking, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to continue to put you up down there. So a buddy of mine who had just graduated from Ohio State was down there and we were friends. And uh, he said, um, hey, man, I've been selling cars. He goes, why don't you come sell cars? Why don't you try it out? And I was like, yeah. Okay. I mean, he looked like he was doing fairly well, you know, so it was at a place called Dennis Auto Point, which ironically, uh, Sean Rogers, Sean sells cars, if you know who he is, yep. he okay. worked for the group for a long time. It was called something different, but um, so he worked at the store that was my first store back then. It was an Isuzu, um, uh, Dennis Mitsubishi, Isuzu, and something else. So um, I started, uh, I went to sell cars. This was probably, I don't know, 1990. Yeah, I guess 94. So really I, I, yeah, probably 1994. So I went to sell cars and, uh, I fell in love with it, dude. Fell in love with it. What do you, what do you love so much about it? So back then it was, you know, obviously the money, right? It was a kid coming from nothing. You know what I mean? Um, making at, at which, at which point you know, I thought was an endless supply of money. You know what I mean? Making, you know, five grand a month, you know, back in 1994 selling cars. So initially it was the money. Um, but it, it, at some point, you know, not too far down the road. Um, nah, I mean, it was probably, probably, it was probably a while. It was about the money for longer than I want to admit. I think I loved the money and the rush, you know what I mean? I did. I loved it, you know? And, um, um, so it was the, it was the uh, rush of making a deal. It was it was winning. I'm very some super competitive. It was leading the board, being the number one guy. You know what I'm saying? You you know you're not going to sell that guy. You know and just grinding that guy again. We're talking '90s. That's a different grind back then. Okay. Yes. You you know I'm sure you're familiar with it. You know so and um, it was just winning and wanting to win and beat everybody. You know and 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 the money and and all that stuff and the you know my friends are racking up college debt i'm buying corvettes you know what i mean 100 percent. right right so it was that when you're a kid that's what it is it's ego and it's pride and it's you know what i mean all the wrong things so that's what it was in the beginning i'm not gonna lie um so but today you know but then it grew in, into something much different for me i realized that um these people are buying maybe the second biggest item that they're going to buy. Most of these people aren't buying, aren't buying beach homes and boats, right? Most of them are buying a home and a car, you know? Correct. And I started to realize that, man, this is like pretty important to these people. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, like, man, I should take this more serious from a consumer side, you know, not, not just for me in my pockets. Like it's a big decision for these folks, you know? And, and, they're putting those kids in that car and driving them to school every day and it needs to be safe. And, you know, as you get older, you know, you got to, you went through it at some point in your life, you start to see things through a different filter. And so yeah, I started to, yeah. you know, started to be like, man, this is, this is, this is real. I'm selling these people an automobile and, and it's going to financially affect them. And, you know, um, Am I servicing them in a way that's that is them first and me second? Because in the beginning, when you especially when you're young and you're all full of, you know, proving yourself, I want to make as much as I can, right? But it very much became, how do I help this person in a way that is, um, you know, transparent and beneficial for them, yet also still make myself as much as I can? Let's be honest, you know. Absolutely. And so it kind of transformed for me. Um, 
to today, which is very much. And then you learn the lesson, Brent, of um, if you just do the right thing for the right reasons, the you comes. You know what I mean? You no longer, so it's like this cycle, right? In the beginning, it's how do I make as much money for me? It's selfish. It's me. It's me. And then it turns in, uh, all right, I don't want to be a complete scumbag. How do I help them as much as I can and still make the most for me? And then you transition into another phase, which is how do I just help them the most I can? Ah, How could it be just about them? And you don't think about the me, but if you do that consistently and enough, the me benefits indirectly. And, and so that's when I think, you know, being a sales trainer for you, um, I think that you're, you've seen this, I'm sure a hundred times, maybe went through it yourself. When you can reach the point where your um, intentions are pure, right? Mm-hmm. Literally thinking about the consumer more than your pocketbook. That is the only time I truly believe that you can become a great salesperson. You can be a great talker. You can be a great BSer. You can be a great follow-upper. You can do all the stuff that will equal money for you. But until you transition into, I'm putting their wants and needs in front of mine, I don't think you become great. I think it's short-term, and I think it people at some point see through it, and that's not how you build a long-term business because customers pick up on that. Well said. Well said. And, and you are 100% correct. The way I took starting selling 30 cars, 20 something cars, and then I went to 40, 50, 60 is just what you mentioned, thinking more about them, uh, becoming friends on social media and liking their comments and just way more action and more gears to helping that person. And then they reciprocated by coming backs and referrals. Yeah. And they felt that just like you mentioned. Yeah. And I, I know you mentioned a few moments ago, the rush. Mm-hmm. Describe the rush to people because it's one of the best things in sales. Like right, it is, dude. Amazing. It is. It's the best, man. You know, and 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 in a managerial situation, you get a rush from. You still get the rush from when you see a deal made, but now there's an additional rush. There's an additional endorphin release, which is watching the salesperson's life get better. So you watch a person get a car. And then you watch a salesperson enhance his life and his family and, 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 and take pride in what he does for a living. Now, now there's a second endorphin rush, right? You know what I mean? So it, it then, I mean, you know, and that's what I'm addicted to today. Um, but I think the rush is how, how I could explain it. Whatever somebody in, you know, every walk of life, whatever, everybody's got one thing. I think I hope for them that, that, that they enjoy and will never give up. For some guys, it's golf. For some guys, it's, uh, you know, I mean, wh- whatever your hobby is, passion. You know, I mean, you know, some people it's betting or some people it's sports or some. Everybody's got that thing that moves them. And mm-hmm. um, what I would what I would uh, compare it to is like, let's say it's golf, right? For a guy, right. to that golfer, I would compare the rush to when you are on a par nine and you put it four feet from the cup right off the tee that's how a car deal feels for me when you hit the perfect golf shot you know what i'm saying absolutely yeah that that's how the best feelings that's it that's that's why you're coming back the next the next week and you're going to shoot 90 but that's why you're coming back because of that that perfect nine iron that you hit 126 yards you know (laughs) (laughs) so when you started car sales were you the number one person out of the gate did it take you some time dude i was 
I was a savage from day one. I swear to God, I'm not being arrogant. My first day in the car business, no, you're going to think I'm capping. I sold five cars my first day. Now, oh my God. now that was sheer, obviously there was some luck involved and, you know, the natural energy and you know what I mean? So I didn't sell five, but I, I probably blanked for the next three days, you know, but, um, but I was good at it from, from day one. Um, I, I, the, I think the reason maybe that I was good at it was because I knew this is it for me, boys. I mean, if I, if I'm not good at this, I really don't know what I'm going to do. I didn't go finish school. You know what I mean? I am not yeah. a manual labor guy. Listen, me neither. I, I'm, listen, don't ask me to hang a picture at your house, Brett. If I come to your house, don't ask me to do anything. I mean, I'll burn the place down before I fix it. You know? Right. Yeah. So like I knew this is it for me. You know what I mean? So I took it serious, vigorously. Like I'm going to succeed at this. There is. And, and the one thing I could tell early on was no one could stop me. I don't mean that in the arrogant way. I mean, if I just do what I'm supposed to do every day, like nothing can hold me back from doing as much as well as I want. And that appealed to me, you know, like yeah. no outside forces can stop me. Yes. Bad managers and all that crap. You're going to have all that. But I know if I get up every day and work hard and, and, and that, that I'm, I'm going to be successful. And so that was it, man. It was off and running, you know? Well, congratulations. Five cars the first day dude, is like unheard of. Dude. Most people don't sell five cars a day in their entire career. Brother, I don't know if it was the managers laying me up, you know, trying to get me pumped. I don't know what it was. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure a little bit of it was, was maybe some natural ability, but I, I five cars, swear to God, first day. Three of them, if you remember this car, Isuzu Amigos. I do not. There you I have do it. Not. That's all you need it to know. Small That's all you need to know. It was a small jeepish wrangler-ish looking do you remember uh oh god what was the other things like it it was a little suv but it had like kind of like a wrangler feel to it um it was cool i mean it, you know it, it was shit but it was cool yeah i mean i mean um it was it was the throwaway car probably it probably you know i mean didn't last four years but <laughs> but three of them yeah and uh but no so i was always i was always number one or number two um I've always been number one or number two everywhere I've went. I mean, it, it's, you know, um, in sales. But I wasn't in sales for long. I got promoted very quickly. So before you go into management, how many cars were you selling a month? Um, I mean, like, you know, 2025. 20, I mean, at the store I was wow. at, it was 150 car store. You know what I mean? It wasn't some big, you know, and again, so, but, but back then you got to remember, dude, you're talking about walk-ins. Yeah. You're talking no about media, no nothing, yellow pages. That's, you know, every up, every customer that you talk to, every opportunity was an hour and a half, two hours, you know, because it wasn't a quick, you know, it, there was no auto trader back then. There was no phone calls. People weren't calling about a certain a car. There was no digital marketing. So it was literally drive by or maybe they saw it in the newspaper, but they didn't call. They took the newspaper and they drove there you know what i mean so like, that car. <laughs> like caveman shit you know but uh so you know so to, it was so it was a lot of work to sell 20 25 cars back then today it's yeah not you know no. yeah. 
Well, congratulations. Yeah. So you said you went into management. How yeah. long did you sell cars before management? And what position in management did you do? Yeah, so the first position I went into was finance. Um, I, I came back to Cleveland. I was working down there in Columbus. I came back to Cleveland um, after a while and, and didn't get back right in the car business right away. That's why I don't count that as like my first. You know, I probably did a couple other things for like a year or two. Um, you know, sales jobs, but didn't get back into cars. And then I was like, why am I not just doing that? Like, I'm fucking good at that, you know? But, um, so then I went to work here in Cleveland at a, a dealership, um, and, uh, met some cool people and I met a buddy named Tom, uh, took a liking to me. Uh, he was the finance director there. So about a year there, he, uh, he promoted me to finance manager. He says, dude, you're going to be an assassin. I'm going to put you in the box. And, um, okay. You know what I mean? And, uh, numbers have always came very easy to me for some reason. Okay, I, me too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, uh, and he, I was professional and you know, he could tell that, you know, I was going to take it serious. So, um, so promoted me into finance. That was my first job as a finance manager. And I, I mean, dude, I, I, I thought I was hooked on sales. I, I was addicted to the finance and, and management side of it. You know what I mean? And back then, they were talking about the Wild West back then. This is before Reg M and Reg Z were all the tra regulations came with leasing and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, boy, it was it was the Wild West oh. back then. Open-ended leases. Open-ended, right? not open-ended <laughs> leases. Holy, 60-month open-ended lease. Yeah. If you sold one of those, you took some time off. You know what I mean? <laughs> the cap cost was double. Yeah. So what happened after finance? Um, so got into, so left there and got into sales management at a different group, got an opportunity to get into sales management here in Cleveland um, with a really big group here and um, got my first sales manager job. And um, again, you know, so now I, I know sales, I know finance and um, sales management uh, was even funner for me, even more interesting, because now, now you're talking about people. You know what right. I mean? When you're a finance manager, okay, um, you know you're in the box, and it, you're you're a lone ranger. You're talking to the banks. You deliver four cars a day. You know what I mean? You know, and and so there's not much people management in that. You know, and then, mm -hmm. but sales manager now, I'm 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 learning. I have how to motivate people. And right. that is that 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 gripped me like nothing before because you know being able to push somebody's buttons and motivate them um, and get inside their head and and find out what's important to them and how to make them better and try harder um, was super appealing to me. I loved I loved the strategy of that and um, I loved uh, taking TOs. You know what I mean? I mean, as the man, you know, TOs are the best, right? You know, yes, uh, I mean, that's the best. You, you're the big bad wolf. You come over and you can just see the people are kind of shivering and to take them down, you know what I mean? And watch them deflate yep. and uncross their arms and sit forward instead of backwards and all this stuff and, and really um, uh, start to win these people over and get them invested in this transaction. Yep. I mean, that's the sales rush, uh, Cliff Notes version. It's, you know what I mean? It's boom, you know? So, so I like that. And, um, I stayed a sales manager for, 
I don't know, probably five years and then got promoted to a GM, got a GM job. I was pretty young. I mean, I guess I was my first GM job. I was probably 32, maybe 30, 32. Um, and, um, did that and was a GM in sales manager GM there again here in Cleveland. I don't know. I know you're Kentucky and some other areas down there a little, but it's, it's a revolving door here. I mean, you work one place for four months and somebody calls you and you go there and then, you know, you go there. I mean, we've all had 20 jobs here in Cleveland. It feels like, is that, is that normal everywhere? Normal here as well. Yeah. Is it Kentucky? Yeah, it's a revolving door, as you mentioned, where people kind of just go to different homes. You get a phone call. Right. It's better. Yeah. Then they move on. So absolutely. Yeah. So I did that for a long time. Um, But, you know, and, and, you know, that's it was embarrassing to me then because it was like people were like, no, what do you mean you don't stay at your job? Like, you know what I mean? Like they were all back then. It was you stayed at your job, you know, employer loyalty. You stayed there and you worked there and you, you know, and uh and I'm bouncing every six months. I'm working at a new place. You know what I mean? So it was it was odd to me. I didn't feel like it was stable. But now knowing now, it, it, that's just the car business. It's just the car business. Yeah. And do you stay in contact with your salespeople in the past? Your managers? Oh, yeah. You- oh, yeah. I built, built some great relationships, dude. You know, just the great relationships. I mean, that's the thing about car guys, Brent. Um, obviously, we deserve the bad rap that we get. Let, let's call a spade a spade. You know, we Absolutely. spent spent what four or five decades robbing and stealing. You know what I mean, and telling lies and misleading people. And yeah, it's here. Come on in. Sure it is. Hey, didn't you just sell that one? Yeah, you know I mean? like you know. So we we deserve it to some degree. But um, there are some amazing people in the car business, man. And I mean, you know, here talking to you this morning when we had a little chat, um, there are some super intelligent people in this industry. You know, um, people that had they gone a different direction here, taken a right instead of a left here, could be running major companies, you know, could be CEOs at, you know, um, you know, company, whatever, whatever. But they, for whatever reason, got in the car business, either got addicted to it and stayed in it or, you know, something happened. You know what I mean? They didn't graduate from college. You know, they got a girl pregnant a little early, got married. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Right. So absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so it's amazing how many um, cool people you can under uh, uncover in the car business. But yes, I've stayed in touch with a good handful of them. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a brotherhood to some degree. You you get it. It's fraternity. Most people know other talented individuals here in the Louisville area. So yeah. it's probably like that in every city, I'd say. So yeah. most people know you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's so funny, man. What TikTok, dude, I'm an old fat guy in the Midwest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm just an old car dude, you know? And so, but what TikTok has done is just, it's hilarious to me to this day. I mean, like, um, you know, here, I'm, I I don't have a million followers. I got 100,000. You know, I, I know where I am in the grand scheme of things. I know my part, right? Um, but even where I'm at now, it's it's amazing how many people know me, you know what I mean, that I've never met. And and right. I, I, it still trips me out, you know. What made you do your first video? Oh, dude, they were terrible, bro. They were trash. I mean, I'm talking straight trash. I'm scrolling TikTok, right? I hear about TikTok, you know, it starts taking off, you know. 
Um, so I start scrolling, you know, and um, I'm cracking up, dude. I mean, I am, I'm bro, I'm addicted. You know what I mean? I mean, just, you know, give me more TikTok. You know what I mean? I'm talking yeah. about showing up late to work because I can't get ready in time. Uh, you know, I'm talking about driving, scrolling, watching, t- risking my life to watch a video. You know what I mean? I am hooked, you know, and I'm just hooked on these people's creativity. I'm seeing these people that you would see walking down the street and, you know, normally never think of. So, the guy makes a TikTok and you see the, how intelligent and creative he is and, and what his niche is and he's got this to offer. And I was like so drawn by it, just people's creativity and um, everyday people. And the dances, the dances crack me up. You know what I mean? I went yeah. to dance, I mean, did the dances, you know what I'm saying? And the challenges and, you know, all this stuff. But nor- I, it was really the creativity and the humor, you know, and that was before it was so populated with ads and, you know, so much stuff. So it was very, it was just quite, you know, I found myself, to be honest with you, dude, I would come home and I, I do this today sometimes, come home, turn the TV on, put it on mute and watch TikTok. And, right. A lot and, of people do that. Right, right, dude. And so anyway, so I'm like, this is funny. I'm like, this is funny. And I'm like, wait, I'm kind of funny. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I think I'm kind of funny. At least people lie and tell me I am, you know? So I'm like, I'm going to start doing them. You know what I mean? And it was literally just, it was more personal. It wasn't anything car business related. It was just, and then they were just dumb, right? Just stupid. And it was literally just for me. I wasn't trying to get followers. I wasn't trying to get views. I literally, it was for me because I'm stupid and I like dumb stuff sometimes, you know, and, I, and I'm a child. So, so I start making them and, uh, and, and then, um, so it's fine. You know, I, I get, I get some followers here and there. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. People follow me, you know, whatever, but they're still terrible, dude. I mean, they're horrible. They're horrendous. You know, I, I, I don't have the lip syncing thing down yet. You know what I mean? I don't know how to do me it. Either. Yeah. Nah, hey, listen, I love you like a brother. You did one the other day. I'm like, I got to talk to this guy about his lip sync game, man. It was, it was, it was off. It was off. Um, but it's, it's, my wife does those. And sometimes we're learning together. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. But, and I was, but, she was like, I can probably do it better. I said, just post it. It's just for fun. You know? Right. So, yeah. Right. But it is hard, dude. Isn't it? In the beginning, like it's hard, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so anyway, so <clears throat> I start seeing some car guy stuff pop up, you know, and obviously right. the FYP recognizes I like car guy stuff cause I start clicking it. So now it's feeding me car guy stuff, you know? And, um, but what I noticed was knowing, uh, everybody's doing skits, skits, you know what I mean? Derek Bumper, Derek sells cars down in Atlanta. Um, you know what I'm talking about tonight? He's black dude with the dreads. Um, I do not. Okay, super cool dude. Um, um, I would see him pop up back then. And um, straight Russian out in Maryland, uh, Dimitri would pop up. And they were all doing like skits, you know. And um, I knew, I was like, people like raw content. I'm like, people like reality. I mean, you remember reality shows, right? I, I mean. Do. Right. It's that, you know, still today because people like to look, they like to peek into other people's lives. Let's, it is what it is. Good or bad, you know? Yeah, and, um, so I'm like, man, and, and you know how everybody's got this, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, everybody's got this impression of our business, um, the car business mm-hmm. that it's like a wizard behind the curtain thing. What's the real cost and where's the real invoice and the ceiling and what did they really give you for the trade? And what's the real interest rate? You know, there's like this, 
uh, impression out there that there's all this like secretive stuff that goes on, right? That only car guys know. And there is, okay? You know, yeah. th- th- there are some tweaks and things, but nowadays, there's nothing you can't find on Google now. So if you get ripped off today, it's your fault, okay? But um, so anyways, I'm like, I wonder if people would like to see real content, car content, like not a script, you know what I mean? Not a skit, not a voiceover, car deals. So at this point, I was at the Mitsubishi store, Um that my co- my cousin was a majority owner. I had a small stake in it. I was a managing partner. So, but I worked okay. the desk because I'm a junkie. I gotta work the deals, you know. So I um no matter I don't care what my position is, I'm working the deals, you know. So, right. um, so I started pushing record. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna sit this phone down, and I'm just gonna record for like an hour and see what happens, you know. And uh, so I started doing that, and I'd go home and I'd chop it up and edit it or whatever. And I started posting and up till then I, maybe, maybe one video I did got 10,000 views or something, you know? So I start posting these like little snippets of me at the desk and they're getting like 30,000 views, 40,000 views, 50. And I'm like, I'm onto something. You know what I mean? People, people like this, you know, of course the comments were terrible, but yeah, I mean, people were so mean. (laughs) People are so rude. I agree 100%. Uh, it's so sad. But anyways, so I do one and I would post whatever happened. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I am, I'm not going to make myself look good. I'm not going to make myself look cool. I'm going to post, I'm going to post what happens at a sales desk at a car dealership, right? Which right. we all know can either be very complimentary or it can, it can, it, you know, it, it can be not, <laughs> it can shine a different light on you, you know? So I remember I post a video, um, okay, this kid, one of my sales guys comes up to me, and I happen to be recording, and my sales guy comes up to me, great kid, his name's Kyle, he still messages me today, um, and he's asking for vacation. He said something about vacation. You know what happens when you go to the sales desk during business hours, and then you're working five deals, and a guy comes up and starts talking about vacation. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's probably like the last day of the month or something, of course, too. You know what I mean? So I tear this kid's head off. Right. But I end it nicely. And I really love that kid. You know what I mean? I just it came off as very condescending, very snipey, very uh, shit. I don't know. You know, like bitter manager yelling at a little sales guy. I mean, it it wasn't good. It wasn't a good look. Goes viral. I mean, by viral, you know, by million views is considered viral, you know. So I get a million views and I'm like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) What is going on? My inbox, I clear it. It's back to 99. Clear it back to 99. I I mean, I, I, I shares all this stuff. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, what is going on? You know what I mean? And, uh, I was like, holy yeah, holy shit. You know what I'm saying? This is crazy. So um, I stuck with it. And I was like, this is what people want. And um, I just kept posting real content. And I think, you know, in that first year, I think I went viral like nine times over a million views in a short amount of time. And I know people get 20 million and 30 million. And I know that. But we're in a niche industry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to get a million people on a niche product or subject is is you know i pretty cool you know and um 
That's it, dude. So I started, I stuck with it and kept posting real content and got through the, uh, got over the hate hump, you know, where you have to realize, look, that guy, is this, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not gonna, you can't, you can't let it hurt your feelings. And, uh, you know, who knows what that guy's got going on that day. His wife left him. And so he leaves me a mean comment. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? So you don't let it bother you anymore. I'm, I'm numb to it, but, but, uh, and that was it. And I just stuck with it and it grew. And, um, I remember my kids, I'm driving my kids home one day and they're like, dad, do you know that you're kind of TikTok famous? And I go, we talk TikTok, you know, I, they're like, and I think I had 40,000 followers, you know what I mean? And like, no dad, like that's a lot. And I'm like, it is. You know what I mean? And because the people that I had seen and clicked on, you know, they'd have a million or 500,000, you know? And they're like, no, dad, like 50,000, 40, is like, that's a lot. Like, and, and they're like, I'm like, really? And uh, they were right. I mean, it was like, when I started looking at people, most people have, what, 600 followers? Yeah. yeah right? Most people don't have that many followers. Yeah, 50,000 is amazing. 100,000 is better, but yeah, 50,000, you're doing it. I mean, think about the work that it's taken you to get to 23,000. Yeah. Has it been a lot of work? It's been a lot of work. You know, when I first started making videos, uh, I feel like I'm extremely talented, and the views didn't really show that. And then, yep. you know, all of a sudden it just picks up because you keep doing action and then you're just like getting more, like you said, the 99. When you look at that in every five minutes, it says 99, 99. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a very good feeling. Yeah. Uh, I hate comments at first, they bug you. Yeah. You know, it was like, goodness, why are these people saying all of this? And right. then, like you mentioned, they just kind of become numb. Right. Because I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. Right. But at first, you're like, oh, my goodness, that's that, why are they saying that? How could you so, say that? I, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and 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 uh, I remember, you know, that I would respond to them a lot in a snipey way. You know what I mean? Dude, listen, you're not going to you're not going to out verbalize me. You know what I mean? I mean, like, you know, same for you. You're yeah. you're not going to. I win. Stop. You know what I mean? Like we're, you know, you might be able to beat me up physically, but if we're just going to cut each other up, I win. You know what I mean? Like, and, um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so I would answer them and whatever. And it started to dawn on me that most of these people are doing it because they just want to see if they can get a comment back from you because it helps their likes and shares. If you comment back on them, you know what I'm saying? It increases their engagement. And now that's when you start to be like, F you. I, you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not commenting. I know it, but it took me a while to figure that out that that's what people were doing. Was they were right. trying to get noticed by having somebody with a large follower base, you know, comment back. Um, so now I only respond positively. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not getting in any arguments with Joe Blow who sold cars in 1984 and couldn't make it and... Tells me I'm a scumbag. Okay, buddy. Okay, Joe. Uh, yeah, I always say uh, thank you for your support. I wish you the best. I, I did that for a while, too. <laughs> I did that for a while, too. I, 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 dude, I, I've said something that I was pretty proud of, though, that I was like, oh, dude, that guy must. Dude, listen, I have chased some people off TikTok, I'm embarrassed to say. Um, like, there's people that have made comments, and I've commented back, and, and, and uh, the comment must have been so effective that I'll get people, my followers will message me and go, dude, that guy got off TikTok. You know, how now what's going to happen for you if it hasn't happened already? Tell me if this has happened for you. You start getting an army that sticks up for you. 
Have you yes. had that happen yet? Yes. Isn't that the coolest thing on the planet? It's a, they don't know us. They just know us by the videos and, you know, never talk to them in person. Yeah. Like we're doing right now. But, yeah, they stick up for you and they, like, have your back. And it's it's amazing. It's awesome. I'm like, I'm like I don't have to respond. They got you. See ya. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So does TikTok pay you any money? Do you make money yeah. off TikTok? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you got, so you got the... Uh, creator fund, the beta uh, creator fund or creativity program, mm -hmm. um, you know, and in order for, to make money off of a video, it's gotta be a minute long. Um, and you get, uh, paid that way, you know, off of there. Um, so yeah, I make I definitely now, um, and I, if you haven't, uh, crossed this path yet, certainly I'll show it to you or you might already be onto it. I, but you know, the, the real money is in affiliate marketing. Um, okay. th that's where the money's at. Then when you get partners, um, brand partners, companies that pay you to post and you get a commission, you know what I mean? Every time they, you generate a lead for them or a sale. Um, so yeah, but, but yeah, I get paid when I post for sure. Um, but so yeah, yeah. So I make money from it for sure. It's, it's, uh, there's been months where it's been like, really? Like seriously, I that I made that much money off of making videos. But it, for, now I'm not to the point where it's consistently like that. There's guys, our guy, Russ, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, yep. he's to the point, you know, where. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. It means the world to me. I need you to do me one favor, please take the time to like it, share it, comment, rate it, tell your friends about it. Any way that you can spread the word, please do it for me. It means the world. Also, find me on other social media platforms. Send me a friend request, TikTok, YouTube, all of that good stuff. I look forward to changing many lives. Let's crush 2024. Now, here's going back to the podcast. I believe he's consistently making high-level high, high level income. Yeah, he. Uh, we had him on a couple of days ago, and he said he makes on average 17 to 25 every single month now. I take a lot of pride in Russ because I was the first one to notice him. Um, he started making videos and, you know, here, good looking kid, younger, appeals to millennials, you know, like we talked to. Um, and he had something, you know what I mean? He had something and it was genuine transparency and, and he was very genuine. And I know that's what appeals to people when they feel like they really know you. So I was watching him. I kept my eye on him and then I messaged him one night. You know, and uh, I was like, hey, man, love your stuff. You know, keep it up. Um, by the way, how many cars you sell? And um, that just turned into a friendship. And we, we've talked twice today already. Um, I, I feel like a little bit of a mentor to him in the car business part of it. Not so much. That's it. What he's done on TikTok, he has figured it out, found his groove, found his lane. And that's all him. But we talk about the car business quite a bit. He's a very talented kid with a very bright future. And I, that was the first thing I said, somebody comment said something about him and, uh, on a comment and I always stick up for my dudes. You know what I mean? Like somebody comments on your stuff after this and I see it, they're getting it. You know what I mean? Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, they're getting it period. And, uh, so somebody said something and I shot back like, dude, this dude's the next superstar of the car business. You know, watch how you talk to him. You know what I mean? And, um, right. That just that just sprouted a friendship that, like I said, we we talked twice today. Awesome. Yeah. What other good friends do you have in the car business? Any big influencers that you help out with, mentor kind of? Um, 
No, I mean, so Derek Bumper down in Atlanta, he's, he's, his uh, at is Derek Sells Cars. He had over 100K. He got banned off TikTok. He had, so he, has to, he had to start over. You would know him if he had, but he's um, he's uh, rebuilding his following. But uh, his name's uh, Derek Bumper, Derek Sells Cars. He was the first one that showed me about affiliate marketing, so I'm grateful to him. Um, uh, I ha I talked to Saxon Reinhardt here and there. Um, um Talk to um, uh, Dimitri, the straight Russian. He's got a couple hundred thousand followers. Um, you know, I don't reach out to them. And normally, I'm like, you know, I, I know how busy I am at just in work and answering messages on TikTok. I'm not gonna be the, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not gonna overwhelm your inbox. You know what I mean? If there's, right. if we vibe and you know it, you know, reach out to me, I'll get back to you. But dude, you're gonna, you probably see already, bro. How hard is it get, to get back to everybody? It's, I don't want to say impossible, but it's extreme because you, it's hard to filter them all because you get so many that just keep reaching out. Uh, some people just do it one time. Some people do it multiple times, but it's extremely challenging just to go through. Like I sent. Uh, a message to Saxon, uh, who you just mentioned, yeah. and it took him probably three days, maybe two days. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, I'm sorry, man, but I get so many messages, Ugh. you know, so. Um, it's crazy. So yeah, he, uh, I talked to him for about 30 minutes last night, and he's going to be on here next week, most likely. Oh, so what a sweet guy. What a sweet guy. Yeah. Good guy. And he he's like 45 minutes, 50 minutes away from me. So we're so he's actually going to come do it in person. So oh, nice. Nice. That's awesome. Oh, I'm jealous. I wish I could meet him in person. Yeah, he's, he's a good kid, man. So, um, you know, but go ahead. I, I uh, yeah, but as far as, as far as, you know, making money on the, yes, there's money on there. But listen, it's like anything else, dude. It's a grind. You got to be at it for a minute and you got to be consistent. And if you think you're going to post a video and retire tomorrow, you're, you're mistaken. I mean, it is consistency and relevancy and understanding the algorithm and not going over the, I mean, cause they'll boot you. I mean, they will straight just boot you. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, you know, you gotta like play that game. Um, but it's great that there's an avenue today. And again, I know you're younger than me, but I know you get this, you know, that people can make a living making videos. I mean, there are people yeah. making millions of dollars a year, Brent, Making videos on their cell phone. Crazy. How cool is that? It's amazing. It's amazing. It just lets you know it's it's possible, you know? So, like, whenever, when I got in sales, so many people were making money selling over the phone, and it just let me know that it was possible. And that's what kept pushing me, because I've seen these people doing it. Some people get envious and jealous, and that kind of puts them on the bad path. It just lets me know it's possible. Right. So, that's that's very good. So, yeah. A very important question. What advice would you give new people in the car business or people that's been in the car business that they're not doing that good, that they want to increase their numbers? What advice would you give them? Because you have done all aspects of the car yeah, business. Yeah. What advice would you give them? Yeah. So very simple. Two, two things. For the guy who, um, you know, the first one getting into the car business, stay away from the, stay away from the coffee crew. Stay away from the crybaby crew. In every car dealership, you know as well as I do, there is a group of three or four dudes that go over in the corner and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee and talk about how bad management is 
and how they should be in charge and the owner stealing from them and the service department didn't get his car done and customers are a-hole, whatever, you know what I mean? And they're not advertising right. And it is so easy to get sucked into that crew, man. I mean, because, you know, they're usually veterans, right? So, you know, you think you're in the good crowd, you know what I mean? Um, they know the business and, and, and they can taint a young guy so quick, man. And that is, I, that, that I make videos about that guy. Stay away from the crybaby crew. There's going to be a crew of guys that are going to try to put their claws in you and suck you in. And it, and I hate to say this, that there's humans that think like this, but it is because they do not want you to succeed because it is, it is a direct, um, reflection on their lack of success. If you succeed, if you go in there and do everything right and crush it and listen to management and make money and hustle and grind. What does that say about them? So they are going to, you know, with bad intentions, try to pull you in. And I believe that. Um, stay away from the, cry, the, the crybaby crew. That would be the first thing. As far as a guy who wants to go to the next level, man, um, you know, if you're not utilizing social, you are absolutely costing you and your family money. If you are not posting three or four times a day, I don't care if it's a shitty post. I don't care if it's grainy with raindrops on the lens and you trip and fall and, you know, I don't care. You know, uh, you know, a post, um, get yourself out there. Just got these new cars off the truck. Just wanted to share, you know, um, just sold this car to so-and-so, you know, here, say hi, so-and-so. I listen, I know it looks, um, Corny. I think people think that they're going to look corny and that's why they don't do it. Um, I, I think that's most people. They're afraid, right? That, that's got to be it. They think they're going to look corny or desperate or something. Yeah. Um, but today, posting on social, um, even, even making it a small part of your business model is like getting, it's, it's like in the old days as a salesperson, like, uh, you know, however you prospected then back in the old days where it was knocking on doors or opening up the phone book or whatever. It's, it's a, it's essential. I mean, it's not something I might do or dude, it's essential. It's, it's part of, it's like breathing. It's like, you know, and it's free. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know, God forbid you put a little bit of money away and you invest, 250 bucks a month into some paid ads, pick your platform. God forbid, God forbid you invest a little bit. I am telling do those. And there's um, a couple guys here in, in Cleveland that have worked for me that we, uh, social, a couple paid ads here and there, and they got their own website and um, whatever. And they would, uh, they, I hear, I had a guy in, the last six months of 22, now I get it, it was 22, okay, I get it, you know, mm -hmm. but guy sold 60 cars a month off nothing but one social platform, starts with an F, um, no leads, no store leads, didn't take a phone call, didn't take it up, that's all he did, 55, 60 cars a month for the last six months. Stud. Stud. <laughs> no, work, work. Absolutely. You, you woke up to 25 credit apps every morning and 23 of them, Brent, had a 426 credit score. But one of them had a 595 with a paid auto. Right. And a thousand down. 
There you go. And one of them. So you're saying there's a genius. You know what I mean? And that, <laughs> and we worked that one to the bone, buddy. No. Um, <clears throat> but so that, that that's it. It's so easy. And I don't even talk about it anymore, dude, because they won't do it. I've shown people, a handful of people, I have given them the blueprint. If you do this, 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 and this, I guarantee you, with my own money, I will guarantee you, that you will sell 30 cars a month. And they start doing it, and you know how car guys are, man. If it don't work in the first, like, I don't know, four minutes, they don't, they, oh, that doesn't work. I'm not doing that. You know, car dealers and car salespeople. But yeah. um, that's it. Do it and just start doing it and stick with it. It's social, social, social. Assuming you're doing all the other right things, being transparent, working hard, following up, showing up to work, you know, assuming everything else is in place. Yeah. So what about you, dudes? I hear real quick. You, the, the sales training thing to me, you know, I, it would be hard for me to get out of the rush, out of the dealership mm -hmm. and do what you're doing. How are you managing that? Like, cause I know you're, I, I can tell you're like me. You love the rush. You love the deal. You love the deal. Absolutely. I, I would, I would feel like an NFL athlete who retired and then all of a sudden had to like do knitting. You know what I mean? Like, how do you feed that? How do you feed that? So to start with, when I first started, it was very just discouraging because, like I mentioned, I wasn't getting views. I, people didn't know me except for local people in this area that just know my name. So, like I, I mentioned when we talked this morning where I got a text message and the guy finally got to 20 cars a month. Yeah. I'm doing it for less right out of a year, and he's never broke that. And I gave him all kinds of different advice, tips, uh, how to handle Internet leads. No one was working the service department, so I told him to go put a whiteboard in the service lounge. Mm -hmm. He's got a few deals from that. Nice. And getting that text message saying that, you know what, he finally cracked. He sold 21 cars, and it was the best feeling in the world because when I <sighs> was helping run the Ford store, uh, there was nine salespeople on average, and seeing them get better each and every day by doing daily training and seeing their numbers go up. It's just like you mentioned, when you went into being a manager, it was so just rewarding. And that's where I am now in my life. I've uh, accomplished a lot in the sales aspect, numbers wise, me personally. And now it's me about giving back. So it that's what gives me a rush now. It, like it brings a huge smile to my face reading that text message. And um, I got a call later today where I helped somebody do insurance sales. Mm -hmm. And this person now is making about $20,000 every single month just selling insurance. Great. And I'm coming up with a script for somebody else later today uh, on insurance, somebody completely different. Nice. So giving more back. And it's just, it's making me, it's, it's, it's just very fulfilling. So. Isn't it a, isn't it a great place to be? Like when you reach, when you reach that where, um, you know what I mean? I would I would have never imagined in my youth that my biggest reward would be somebody else's success, right? Absolutely. You know, um, Absolutely. you and I again, you and I both coming from nothing. Let's let's call it. You know, from talking to you, you know, it would I would have never thought that someone else's success would be my favorite accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? Watching other people succeed, and um, you know, it's crazy. Um, you know, you get to a point in our lives and what are you about? You're 40? 40. 40. Dude, you're so lucky right now that that beard isn't coming in gray. It, it's a little bit gray. No, <laughs> no, no. It doesn't. Be honest with me. Don't even lie to me for one second because I'm going to tell. I'll know if you're lying. As good of a salesperson as you are, I'm going to know. Do you use Just for Men? No, do I you, do not use Just for Men. Say it again. I do not use Just for Men. You no, use something similar? Had. You use something similar? 
I don't use nothing. You don't do anything? No, nothing. All right, I, I believe. take a shower, wash it. I believe you. Good, uh, I believe you. That's it. I believe you. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what made you ask that question? Um, about about you, about the rush and stuff like that. Well, because yeah, I the, oh, about the beard, about the, about the beard, yeah, about the beard. <laughs> because I've thought about using it. That's why. Because I'm, you know, because it's coming in gray, and I don't listen. I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like I get it. I'm 50. I'm gonna look a certain way. We ain't gonna look the way we used to. We're not gonna. You know, it is what it is. It's a circle of life. But yeah. um, but but I've been thinking about it. I was like, man, do a lot of guys use that stuff? You know what I mean? Like because I would see guys. Like close to my age, okay, and they their beard is brown still, and I'm like, that dude's using something. I don't believe that's real. I, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's no way that that's real. Um, yeah. yeah, but but you're just one of you're blessed. You're just one of the blessed guys. You know what I mean? But well, you know what? When I'm 50, like you, I'm probably going to be gray because it's a good big gray. Is so. it? Is it? Is it starting to come in a little bit? Yeah. It's starting to come in more. And yeah, then, yeah. I'll keep the gray. I'm cool with the gray. It's I am too. I am too. And I guess you know it's funny because like you know we're always looking for uh, especially when we're young we're always looking for an angle to be better at sales right what's going to give me an advantage you know in the sales avenue right and what i have found is being 50 is the biggest cheat code that you could ever want that you could ever hope people just and more, and more. dude listen to me you got you probably at 40 you probably already are starting to see it for millennials and gen z's there is a natural trust factor because you're older and i think Older people less often have bad intentions because we've been through some stuff and we've maybe accomplished some things. So we don't need, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's the biggest cheat code ever, you know, I mean, that that people are kind of like, I had one kid, this is like a week ago. And, you know, this when this happens, you know, as a salesperson, it's like, it's like uh, hitting a home run. You know, but as a person, person, it's fulfilling. But so we're sitting there. So I take a TO for one of my sales guys, you know. And so the the customer, he's a young dude, probably, I don't know, 27, 28 years old. You know what I mean? He's like, hey, uh, hey, sir. Of course, sir. Yeah. And he's like, hey, uh, hey, sir, can you come out here for a second? I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking the guy's going to show me something on the card. And that's fine. You know, whatever. We're going to work it out, you know. He, he looks at me, goes, can I ask you something? I said, of course, you can ask me anything. You know what I mean? He goes. Am I making a good decision? <laughs> Should I do this? Should I buy this car? You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there right. thinking, dude, I, I mean, like, the lesser version of me. You know what I mean? You, you know what? You know what I mean? You start to think, like, that. That's what you. That's what you pray for in a sales situation. That you earn that much trust with the customer that they genuinely Absolutely. ask you your true opinion. You know what I mean? But I knew. But it was because I'm 50. It was because I have gray in my beard that he felt he could have a real conversation. Trust you and trust Absolutely. me. And and I told him the honest to God truth. I said, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think this is the car. I think you should have stayed with the Mazda. That's my ass opinion. I'll sell you what you want. You're the customer. He was looking at a charger, a Dodge Charger, uh, and a Mazda C a CX-5, an SUV. For, you know, two different cars. I get it. Well, you know, one was him being young, and one was him thinking maybe it's time to grow up, you know? And I said, honestly, I'm giving my ass opinion. I would, I know. I think you should buy the Mazda. And uh, What do you he, go with? The Charger. 
He bought the charger. More, insur- more for insurance. He bought the charger. <laughs> yeah. The 27-year-old appealed to him. He's like, I'm going to get a sports car. I'm not. He's like, I'm 27, not 47. I'm getting the China. I was like, okay. But I gave him my honest opinion. He didn't take it. But it dawned on me that, you know, it's literally because when you get a little bit of years under you, I think people just have a natural um, instinct to kind of believe that, you know, you're not out to hurt anybody. It's just about trying to be a good person and, and you know, none of us are saints and we all have pasts and we all probably on a daily basis do things that we wish we wouldn't have done. Um, but for me, and you're going to understand this as a father, it is about legacy. And what I mean by that, I tell uh, salespeople this all the time that I work with or even coworkers or guys, whatever. Um, I picture it like this. Yes, we're car salesmen. And look, there's attorneys and us, and we're down at the bottom of the sea, and I get it, okay? But for me, I know this. One day I'm not going to walk, I'm not going to be here. You know what I mean? One day I'm going to be gone, and that could be tomorrow, could be in 30 years, it is what it is. But somebody one day is going to meet my kid, one of my kids, you know, and they're going to come across and they're going to go, pain. is that pain? You know, did you know, are you, you know, Sean, did you know Sean? And, and my son's going to say that was my dad. And that moment in time, Brent, is why I live my, is how I live my life according to what's going to happen in that moment in time. What I mean is my son, who's, you know, uh, personal belief in himself and what kind of man he is and, you know, who he is and what he came from is about to get a message from somebody who knew me while I was on the planet. And what's that guy going to say? That is the most important thing I think that you can think of when you're just, when you're making decisions in sales when dealing with people or just in general. And my hope is that I've done enough good things. God, I hope <laughs> that that guy says, you know what? Your dad was a good dude. That was a good dude. That's it. You know, and that moment right there, um, if you start to live your life based on what's going to happen in that moment when your kid meets someone who knew you and he's about to get a third party, you know, impression of who you really were, you know, cause your kids know, they only know what you showed them and you were a dad and you know what I mean? But when they yeah. meet somebody who knew the real you, what's that person going to say? And I just want them to look at my kid and say, your dad was a good dude, man. That was a good guy. He was honest or he, maybe it's hardworking or, you know, funny. I don't care, whatever it is. Um, that's it. And, and, and that's at the forefront of my mind 24 seven. Well said. You get it. So as a dad, absolutely. You know, the kids only see one perspective of our life and it's the perspective that we want to show them. So that's absolutely, you want them to say you're a good man. That's what I'll say to a lot of people. So your dad was a good man. So absolutely. So yeah. I can definitely respect that. Yeah. And if more people thought long-term like that, the world would be a better place and they would not make some decisions. They make better decisions. So absolutely. Comes with age, you know, it sucks, man. You got to get old and crinkly before you get any kind of smart, you know? It's just like, you know, when you were young, when I was young, most people, they would always say their family members, other people older. They were like, if I were your age, I would keep playing sports in high school or I would keep doing this and you choose your own path and then you look back later. I wish I would have listened to that person, oh, you know, God. so. You imagine, 
Imagine the rocket. I remember. But but imagine you know you could probably identify three pieces of advice that you were told in your life that had you just followed those three, your life would be drastically different today, and you wouldn't have gone through some of the you know we things we go through because of youth and and stubbornness. You know, absolutely. So what's the future? What's the future for what's the future for Love All? What's 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 what should we look for? So what we should look for from a great question is the sales training program will go live next month. It's a virtual training program. It'll be how to sell over the phone for insurance people, telemarketing. It's going to be car salespeople from the intro um, all the way to them leaving, what you do after they leave, following up, like we talked about. How, yeah. uh, think about the customer more. Uh, part of it's going to be RVs. Part of it's going to be solar cells, everything relating to sales. I no believe kidding. that we live in a very how should I put this? There's not a lot of phenomenal salespeople out there. People don't invest in themselves. People don't do as much as what I used to do yeah. to make yourself better. And yeah. you hit the ground running. You've learned a lot from your experience. So many people just like we talked about, you tell them to use social media. I don't like getting in front of the camera. I'll do this. I don't like doing that. So I was talking to somebody the other day uh, on my TikTok live. And I said, you need to make, if you're in the car business, at least eight, 900 or a thousand calls a month. And they were like, no, you don't. And I was like, yes, you do. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was running the Ford dealership and all of my salespeople contested this, if you didn't make 800 calls for the most part, you're not going to work there. Yeah. Uh, I just believe killing it with massive action. Everybody, every single day had to make at least two social media uh, shows or uh, videos or, or FB marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> You have to kill it with action. I, you know, I would work 14, 15 hours a day, and a lot of my salespeople seen that, and they knew that I would outwork most people, and that rubbed off on them, and they started working more hours. And by taking so much action, you know, that's what I've been doing with this um, new company. That's yeah. what I've been doing with the podcast is just taking action. I would have never got you on the phone if I never asked. Yeah. You know? So yeah. going out there, putting yourself out there, and um, you know you have to take action it's not just going to come to you that's the way i was trained yeah and oh thank goodness i reached out to you you were amazing oh. uh shared so much knowledge yeah and w one thing that you talked about when we uh when i was working out this morning we were facetiming each yeah. other you mentioned you had the luxury of owning a dealership mm -hmm. what was that feeling like starting from just sales starting at 12 years old selling yeah. car, yeah. all the way to owning a dealership how is that feeling? Yeah, so it's um, I'll be I'll be honest. It's it's a little bit of be careful be careful what you wish for, and what I mean by that is, and again, my uh, family member, my cousin, was majority owner. I he was kind enough. I had equity in it. You know what I mean. I had earned it. You know what I mean. So I was an owner. You know, but. Um, um, day to day, me the decision maker every day on the but but at the end, uh, but so. I wasn't an owner by myself, but uh, we had partners. But so, but regardless, it's still an owner, and I understand where you're going with it. So, it's a little bit of be careful what you wish for, and I say that because yes, especially when we're salespeople, you know, or managers. Oh, I want my own dealership, or I want this, and I want this, and and somehow that's the holy grail. You know what I mean? And I get it, right? I understand that because um, it signifies success and hard work and all the things and 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 you think you're going to be um 
uh, generationally rich and wealthy, you know, just because you own a car dealership, which is absolutely not even close to the truth. Um, no. Actually, you can be generationally bankrupt if you make some bad moves. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, but be careful what you wish for in the sense of this. If you love selling cars and the day-to-day -day and the grind, whether it's being a salesperson, being a finance manager, being a desk manager, being a floor closer, um, whatever it is, if you love that and that is what burns in your belly, mm -hmm. being an owner is going to take from that. And it's going to shed lights on different things in the dealership that happen. You're gonna see them in different ways. It's gonna become much more calculated and uh, business um, filtered. Um, you're gonna look at people in a little bit of a different way because at the end of the day, you know, you look at a statement, right? And everything that happens right. goes to that statement. Everything that goes on in the car dealership can be reflected in a line item on a statement, period, end of story. And that includes yeah. people. So as an right. owner, you a little bit have to distance yourself from some people because a people, some people will try to take advantage of you if you're the owner, right? Um, uh, you've got legal reasons that you need to distance yourself, certainly, you know what I mean? Um, and now people and everything else is like just an, it be, it's hard not to start looking at everything as an expense. And that stinks. Your that stinks. It changed completely. It, it, dude, you put on a different lens and you start mm -hmm. to see everything is now an expense. You know, you watch a salesperson go to lunch, right? When you're a salesman, you're like, go to lunch, dude. I don't give a shit. Pick me something up. You know what I mean? As an owner, you're like, it's been gone a little long. You know what I mean? Correct. You know what I'm saying? You start, dude, I'm telling you, you know, and, and, and as a business owner with what you have now, you know, um, you'll see that if you haven't already, everything is an expense. And to some degree that stinks because you can very quickly lose the magic that made you a great leader mm -hmm. because being an owner isn't a leader, right? And being a manager isn't a leader. I don't want to be a manager. Uh, I want to be an owner for financial reasons, right? But what I really want to be is a leader. That's me. I want to be a leader. And um, it takes from that a little bit. Yes, you're still a leader, but you don't look at people the same way or not even people, just anything. And, and what happens is, you know, a lot of dealers, let's say, let's call it advertising. Let's call it love all. Brent okay. pitches me on how he can help my dealership sell cars, which by the way, I believe 100% you could, okay? I believe that in my heart after talking to you. Thank you. However, I'm the owner, okay? And I have partners and there's a statement and that partner wants XYZ return on his money or his investment or whatever it is he's put into the company, okay? Mm -hmm. And... First quarter, second quarter, I fall short of that, right? Now, this is an investor or a partner or whatever, and we're just a little short. We're just not there. And here comes Brett, and he's got a great service, and he's got, he's got it works. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm right now, I'm not able to give my partners the return that they want. You have a fiduciary responsibility to think about do I spend any more dollars? I'm already not returning the investment that my partners want. You legally have, you have a legal fiduciary responsibility to think of them. I love Brent. I think this guy could help. I can't do it right now, right? Right. That, and, and, and so you pass on Brent. 
right? And then Brent goes on and he gets in that five dealerships around you and they all start crashing and selling and you're doing a great job. And, you know, maybe I get back to profitability and everybody's happy again. And I call you and you say, dude, I can't take you. And that is being, that that's what happens. And people don't realize, you know, so that would be the negative of, of being an owner is I believe that it sort of takes your ability to have a growth mindset and a culture mindset sometimes. Um, the pluses of being an owner, you can sell it, you can exit, you can make a bunch of money. You know what I mean? Um, certainly you, you can be introduced to a, a whole new you know, business method or circle of friends. There's a, there's a lot of great things about being a car dealer and the good ones, a good, the good ones find a way not to let the bad side overtake them and they stay in a leadership role. And those, right. I think, are the ones that are uber successful. Um, so you have the ability to hit awesome heights if you can be that owner. The guy that keeps that growth leader mindset, right, first and foremost, investors and ROI second. Um, I think those are the dealers that hit home runs. I think those are the guys that retire generationally wealthy. Wealthy. That's, that's my opinion, yeah. And I noticed there is a Michael Jordan poster in the back. Are you a sports fan? Come on. I mean, first of all, hold on. First of all, can you, you got MJ there, right? You got MJ. Well, that's the goat for real thing you can't really see. But hold on. Here, I got MJ, <laughs> I got Tiger. And I got... And you got Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, all goats, by the way. All goats. Um, so I'm surprised from Cleveland you don't have LeBron up. Listen, he's great. We're not having this conversation. <laughs> We're not having it, dude. I'm a Michael Jordan fan. There's uh, no I'm conversation gonna... to be had. You know what I mean? There just isn't. I don't understand. God, does that bug you as much as it bugs me? That conversation bothers me so badly. Like... But I get it, you know what I mean? Like, he is today's Jordan. They don't know MJ. They didn't watch Game 6 in Utah. You know what I mean? I mean, they didn't watch him get beat up by Detroit all those years and then win six rings, you know? So they, today, all they know is 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 LeBron. And that brings up a good point. Um, you, know, uh, you know, we talk about, like, being a GOAT, you know what I mean? So, you know, there's a lot of guys use that word, right? And GOAT, whatever. And, and... But I equate everything to sports and uh, definitely sales and the car business and being a GOAT. It, there's a different, my definition of a GOAT is different. Um, first of all, you and I, in a sales situation, we both take the same customer, um, you know, everything being even, you know what I mean? I firmly believe in my heart, I'm gonna close better than you. Now hear me out, now hear me out. That's just what I believe. I think, I do think you would, I think it's close. I'll be, I'll be fair. That voice, right. the, vo the voice is an unfair advantage. I don't know if you developed it or if it's natural, but you need to bottle that shit and sell it. it the voice in the Southern twang is a killer, but. I developed it. Okay, good for you, good for you. I love it, I love it. Dude, it's a bit, stop, it's sick. You need to figure out a way to, to bottle that. But, um, so, but, but GOAT to me is, but, but my point is this, that's fine. Any of us can become great salespeople and put up big individual numbers, like you said. Anybody. Yeah. I mean, you work hard, whether it's on talent ability or work ethic or both or whatever. Um, my definition of, the goat is, of a GOAT is different than I think most people, especially the, the kids today. I'm the GOAT. I'm the GOAT. I'm the GOAT. You know, 
I think GOAT status is, yes, you have individual accomplishments and you get to the you get to the super you win the ring you know what i mean you get to the mountaintop but my definition the goat is do you make everybody around you better because that 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 is that's goat stuff to me um you know tracy mcgrady remember tracy mcgrady i very very well remember him maybe one of the most one of the most physically talented guys to ever maybe play in the NBA. I'm talking just physical talent, you know what I mean, and ability. Never won shit. You know what I mean? Um, that's not go. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, uh, you're, you're a great player. You're a great individual player. Um, you know, to me, it's it, GOAT status is reached when, yes, you obviously accomplish it on your own, but when you figure out how to bring everybody else around you up, that that's that's greatness and so that's my name my name yeah that's why i picked goat for my name because i i believe in my heart that i'm that guy that that can do that and that wants to do that and i think you have that in you too um and but i hate this goat i hate these kids i'm the goat i'm the goat dude you sold three cars i mean like stop it you know what i mean like nothing made you hear or how about this brand you probably see this in the sales training side and I don't mean to ramble, but how many guys think they're the GOAT because they started selling cars during COVID? So many people. I was talking to a gentleman, Cody Houchin, sells Hondas. Yeah. And he was like, that's what you need to talk about as well as all of these people that started selling cars thinking they were amazing. Oh. No one had cars, so they didn't They didn't negotiate. They didn't do anything. There's no sales finesse. There's no nothing. Order taking. Order takers. I was about to say that, and that's why he was like, that's why you need to truly keep pushing this as hard as you can, because more people now need you than ever. And that's, you know, now me and him are super close. So no, that, but that, but that's a, but that's a true statement, Brent. I mean, guys like you are more necessary that are, that are making sales training, their passion more necessary than ever, because we have all these guys that came up in COVID and chip shortage and they think they're the goat or they think they're good or they think they're studs. Bro, that wasn't the car business, boys. You know what I mean? That was order taking and taking, you know, in an industry taking advantage of a supply and demand situation where if you just woke up in the morning and opened your doors, you were going to sell cars. Absolutely. But now, welcome to the car business, boys. Because now it's hustling. Getting out of it. Right? Oh, do, do they are because it's because the easy part's over. Now what do they want to go sell solar? I get it. I get. It. I get it. Okay, great. You know what I mean? But you know, so don't talk to me about goat until you've done it in a real market, in a real industry um, setting with competitors. You know that are doing whatever they got to do to make deals, and and people aren't trading the car right now. Five grand back a book, are they? No, they want KBB trade now. Like, and your manager don't want to give it to them. So. You know, this is it. So I, there's this so funny. I see all these guys, they think they're so, and look, I love it. I was arrogant when I was a kid. I get it. You know what I mean? But a lot of these guys are in for a, they're, it's, it's, it's a big reality smack. And I think you're right. People are some, some guys, they're getting out. Yeah. So when I hit 30 is when I kind of lost my arrogance probably 30 31 like i used to be like you know all yeah kids yeah like i know everything i'm the best for sure and once i hit 30 i just i became a very extremely humble individual and yeah there's no more like you know you ask a coach what what helped you win the championship he's always a great coach he's always going to say the players always. you know 
So he'll never accept the responsibility. A great one, they'll never do that. So I agree. That's what you just mentioned. So yeah. you got to, you know, I'm only here because of my players. I know how to push them. Right. I'm only here because of them. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you are, uh, what you're doing is essential, honestly, to, to help in sales professionals, especially automotive industry related, um, sustain success. And that's what I want for these kids that, that came into COVID and did good and made money. What I really want to see them do is continue to do that. But I don't think a lot of them understand the work that's going to be involved in order to sustain it. Because it, and again, it just came so easy to them. It's not their fault. It just came easy. You know, right timing. Yeah, and and good for you. You know what I mean. I'm happy, but if you want to maintain it, it's it's the things that you're teaching. It's hustle. It's grind. It's it's just, you know, it's the real car business. So I'm excited to see how many stick around. Awesome. You know, what advice would you give to managers? Because I know you've done all aspects again. Yeah. So what makes a great manager? Number one thing I tell my get my managers when I hire or I train a sales manager, the most important job you have right now is to get to know those people and um, get inside. Salespersons yeah. or customers? No, no, they're the sales, but you're, the people in your employ that trust you on a daily basis to feed their family, help them feed their family, get to know those guys. And it's funny because they don't understand that. They think, well, I think it's to make gross and pencil deals and, and this and that. Listen, this is the stop, stop, stop. It's all going to come down the road, big guy. Right now, like, get to know every single one of them on a personal level. And the reason I say that is because, you know, from a management standpoint, there's a personal and a manager. But from a manager standpoint, if I know that Brent, hypothetically, got in a fight with his old lady last night and they're mad and they're fighting and uh, they're not, you know, she's, you know, whatever, you got, you got that going on. If I know that about you, my chances of motivating you today are greatly increased knowing what's going on in your life. I may motivate you by pulling you aside and having a conversation, bro, how's it going at home? What happened? Everything okay? You know what I mean? And just kind of talking you through it and maybe giving you some advice. Or um, I may know that today's not the day to motivate you. Today's the day I walk up and go, hey, buddy, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you get out of here? Why don't you go spend time with your family today? Well, um, let's say, you know, we, we know a guy is, you know, uh, car guys are great. They make all kinds of money and spend every single penny. You know, let's say a guy's short on money. Yeah, he's going through, he's not getting, you know, you know, whatever happens, life happens. You know, let's say he's getting short on money. If I know that about him from a personal relationship, how, how do I motivate that guy today? Today, he's money motivated. So today it's, let's do a spiff. Brett, three cars today, nickel, go get them. Are you motivated that day? Absolutely. 100%, right? Now, what if you uh, had a big month and you're flush with cash, right? And you're kind of taking, you know, it's one of those, now nah, I'm gonna take a couple of weeks, oh, I'll just show up every day, I'm not gonna try too hard, all my bills are paid, you know that happens in our business. You know, right. how do I motivate you that day? What about pride? Hey, dude, you gonna let fucking Joe Schmo beat you this month? Oh, you're a one-hit wonder, huh? I got you, buddy. All right, have a good time off. You know what I mean? Um, maybe I get in your head and I motivate you with pride. You know, so, but that all, I can't do any of that if I don't get to know you and what works and, right. and what buttons need to be pushed or when not to push a button. Maybe that's even more important. You know, like yeah. if a guy's having a bad day or whatever, he's bummed out, something's going on in his life, who knows, life happens. 
you know, for me to sit there at the sales table, dude, get back there and go do this. And you need to go do this and try harder. Dude, that guy might just not have the gas for that day. You know, and I need to know that. You know, Absolutely. So, so as a new manager, get to know your people. Very, very simple for me. All the other stuff you can learn, but that, and, and what happens, I think, Brent, and I don't mean to ramble. I know I ramble a lot. I get excited about sales and dealership and people, but... Um, <laughs> But what happens when you do that indirectly, again, when you invest like that in people and they realize it's genuine, you can move mountains. You got five or six guys behind you that believe that you love them and care about them. You can break bricks, move mountains, sell 500 cars. I mean, if you get a staff of guys and girls behind you that have seen you invest in them and know it's real, it's gotta be real, nothing you can't accomplish. And then they're loyal. They don't leave. They will do anything and everything you ever ask them to do. So there, absolutely. I got I, guys right now that I haven't seen in five years. If I called them right now and said, stand up, run through a brick wall and call me when you're done. I know they would. And I know I, then there's guys that I know I would do it for. And when you right. can develop that kind of, of uh, personal responsibility to each other and, and a genuine um, caring for each other and respect, Dude, you know, you know Joey Diaz, right? You, know, you like Joey Diaz? Who's that? You know, the guy, he's friends with Rogan and all those guys, the Italian guy, he's kind of a bigger guy. Talking about, oh, you're talking about car guy, okay. No, yes. you know who I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. I mean, his one video I love, he goes, <clears throat> you know, people think you need to, you know, have an army to, you know, to make change. He goes, give me three motherfuckers. Give me three loyal motherfuckers. And I could take over a country, like you know what I mean. Like that's the that's kind of the thing, you know. And then, but if you, but that that would be it, man. Connect with people, get inside of them, um, be vulnerable to them, you know, um, and let them see it's genuine. And then I don't, I don't think anything can stop you. Absolutely, I agree with you on that one hundred percent. And I get excited, dude. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's it's been amazing. I've learned so much from this hour and a half, and it hasn't felt like it's been an hour. And a half. Oh shit, dude! I'm sorry. Hour and a half had really holy cow, <laughs> Jesus. Any other tips, advice for sales, not just car sales, anything or like I said, stay away from the crybaby crew. You know, stay away from the crybaby crew. Run with the winners. Um, use social every chance you can. Um, treat people great. Just just treat people great, dude. You know what I mean? Treat people great. If you do that, the money will come, I promise you. You know, put their needs in front of yours. You know, so so basically be a good human. How about that? Be a good human. Be a good man. Be a good human and think about your legacy. What are they going to say when they meet your kid? I mean, if you okay. if you live it like that, I think that equals sales success. Now, add to that mix, Brent. Gas on the fire. Sales training, taking it seriously, you know, perfecting your craft. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. You know what I mean? Not now. You now you can really you know, can make a dent in the universe. You know what I mean? So, one question because I you made a post. I know Russ did it and you did it where somebody was like, "There's no way they're making a hundred grand." And I <laughs> watched stupid. y'all's both videos. What do you think an average salesperson makes? Just an average person. I think the average salesperson, matter of fact, I know that it's the, you know, because I study things. I'm a little bit of a data freak, so I try to know the ins and outs and the numbers of our industry. Um, it's about 55 grand a year. 
average. Above average, what do they make? I mean, a good salesperson, a good buck fifty, hundred fifty grand. I, I think here in Cleveland. Now, different markets are different. You know what I mean? But here in Cleveland, um, I, I might, I must know fifteen guys that make one hundred fifty grand. And I mean, it's you know what I'm saying. Now, these are guys. These are guys. These are these are real people and girls. Come on, girl. You know, these are they try, they work, they do the right things. But um, yeah, dude, are you kidding me? You make a yeah. I mean, a hundred grand in the car business is assuming you're at a dealership, you know, where they got enough cars and the managers know what they're doing. I mean, there's some variables, you know what I mean? But a hundred grand is not. I mean, that's listen. I if you're not making a you do something else. Absolutely, honestly, because way too much time to make less than that. Yeah, because the hours are, and I mean that like really, because the hours and the stress are not worth it. For less than a hundred grand, they're not worth it. Go do something else and make eighty. You know what I mean? Right. And have a little more life and less stress. And you know what I'm saying? Like if you, it's not worth it unless it's a hundred. Your return on investment isn't worth less than a hundred. Well said. Yeah. yeah, I've seen the video and it, it just popped in my head, and I was like, I, I want to talk about that as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. What was your biggest year? What was your biggest year? In selling over the phone, so, or car business. Car business. Yeah, it's car business. I mean. Car business, it was right at a half, just shy of a half a million dollars. Uh, best month ever was forty six thousand bucks on average, and I was selling awesome. again fifty, sixty cars a month. Yeah. Um, so you know, I would say when I was selling about forty, it was probably about thirty grand, right around roughly speaking. Right, so, right, right. And it and it took me years to build that book of business. Yeah. Meaning loyal people that kept coming back. That um, you know that was selling Volkswagens, <laughs> as you know, Volkswagens are not everywhere. Right. So that's more of a sell versus some brands. Um, so it took us probably two years. I was probably making about eighteen, nineteen thousand for two years. Yeah. And then it just took off because people coming back, leases. Social yeah. media catching up. Yeah. And yeah, it took me about two years. And then once I did that, it just flourished. And nah. I got more and more and more. And I was like, my goodness. Yeah. So good times. Uh, right. <laughs> rags, rags to riches, huh? Look at you. Uh, absolutely. It was good times. <laughs> That's uh, good. I went out to dinner last night with several of those people that helped me uh, at the Volkswagen dealership. Yeah. Uh, once a month, we do a $100 tip dinner that we all go out and everybody tips 100 bucks. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I believe in giving more back. And you know what? Some of the best people I know, more most generous people that I know are from the car business. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned that we get a bad rap, but you know, so many people give way more, way more generous than the average person. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a, that gift and the curse because we know we can make it again. Absolutely. You know, I remember a story. I went to um, a gentleman came into town, very close friends. So we all, all kinds of people from the car business at the Volkswagen dealership went to a casino the, uh, it's called Indiana Southern Casino, what have you. And I lost like four grand, five grand. And you know what? That next day, and I was a salesperson at this time. The next day I went in there and absolutely crushed it. So went ham. Cars, yeah. And I was ready to roll. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. Get out of my way. That's my customer. That's my customer. That's my customer. Yeah. I, I get it. So good. So good times. Uh, For sure. Do you want to end it, end it with anything? No, man. I, you know, I, I here. Listen. At the end of the day, I love what you're doing. Um, you, you know, I don't, I don't f with people unless I feel like they uh, uh, are their heart is in the right place. And listen, Thank we're you. all here to make money. Like, let's not. It's not a secret. You know, I mean, let's not. That's the elephant in the room. Oh, I do this for the love of the people. 
Me too. But at the end of the day, let's be honest. We're all trying you. Know, we're all here to make money as well. And that's okay that that's a part of the equation. Um, Absolutely. And so, you know, I love what you're doing. Um, and I, I think that your heart's in the right place. And I think the financial side of it is just going to happen for you. Um, you. If nothing... I, nothing else because of the voice you might just do it because of the voice um right but no i'm kidding but um i guess i would say um you know if you if you are in the car business and you're going through a tough time stick with it it's a great business man it can allow a very high level of income and and a very rewarding career um forget people don't listen to people oh you're a car salesman you're forget it stop it you know what i mean um and just just be a good human treat people great if you're you know a consumer out there um find yourself a good car salesman they're out there they're out there Absolutely. you can leave a transaction feeling satisfied and fairly treated if you wait and find the good sales most people go dealership to dealership and but what they should be doing is going dealership to dealership trying to find the right sales guy not ne not necessarily the right deal because you passed over 20 bucks a month, you passed on a deal down the street and left and went somewhere else. But that guy was going to give you great service for the next however many years. And that was that was one of my closest. Like a lot. We had a lot of competition. I shouldn't say a lot of competition. We had two other Volkswagen dealerships. And there was one that always had the cheapest prices. Every yeah. brand has them in every big city. And I'm like, you know what? What car that car you pulled up in? Where'd you buy it? Then they would say the dealership. Did that person ever call you back? No. Did they ever send you a Christmas card? No. A birthday card? No. That's where I'm different. You know, am I worth the extra thousand dollars? Absolutely. And I'd sell myself in so many times. It yeah. didn't work every time. Yeah. It was a close and it worked. Yeah. You know, sell yourself and provide amazing service. Well, it's a close, um, like we call it, but but it, it it's 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 something that that in real life means something. I mean, like you're saying, we call it a close, and that's where teaching sales training like you're doing but but it, there's actually a genuine feeling behind it like no listen i know my payment is 19 dollars higher than the guy down the street but i promise you for the next five years or whatever you are going to be glad that you did business with me you know what i mean and um if we can teach people how to tell people that and convey it in a way that doesn't sound goofy you know which mm -hmm. i think you're trying which is what you're trying to do that's great because that's what i would tell consumers find the right salesperson find the right salesperson it's not always about the deal absolutely well said yeah well, it's been an amazing an hour and 40 nah, dude i i rattle i'm sorry i'm off today i got you know what i mean so like i'm in i'm in social mode well, thank you so much. And uh, you have my cell phone number. Yeah. If you ever need me, please reach out. If I'm in Cleveland, Same. which I've been there only a few times in my life, I will most definitely reach out to you. Don't ever, you ain't come, don't ever come to Cleveland. It's, it's terrible here. Isn't that where they filmed uh, A Christmas Story? It is, yes. About 20 minutes from here. I'd like to see that house one day. Because yeah. I know my sister and brother-in-law went there a few years ago, and they said it was pretty cool just to see. That's my favorite Christmas story. Yeah. Christmas movie, you know? Cleveland, I mean, I, I, I say that in jest. Cleveland, it's an amazing, it has amazing people. They're all very salt of the earth, you know, hardworking, kind of a grind mentality. Um, you know what I mean? So Cleveland, I'm, I'm blessed to grow up in Cleveland. But, you know, a couple more years, and I will be in the sun for sure. Well, thank you. Well, so, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, uh, you wish too. You the best. You too. With this month. Well, stay in touch, brother. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you. Yes, sir.